0: Hello, I'm Megan and I'm the artistic director of Girl Gang Manchester. If this is your first ever encounter with us, then we are a collective of artists, activists, academics and party instigators. I'm going to give you the spiel. Uh, We produce events that bring people together to be the best version of themselves. Uh, We believe that you can learn and connect over debates, discussions and dance floors. Over the four years that we've been going, we've produced over 50 events, ranging from immersive film screenings, exhibitions, creative club nights, on online projects, workshops, theatre, you name it. We like to dream up mad concepts and make them happen with a lot of passion, elbow grease and cutting and sticking in one another's living rooms. You can find out loads more about us and see some of our previous work on our website, which is www.girlgangmcr.com. We're at Girl Gang MCR on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. On Friday, March the 13th, we launched our very first commissioned Arts Council funded exhibition at the Lowry. The exhibition is called Everything I Know, I Felt, and it explores the diverse emotional experiences of women. It celebrates big feelings in all their messy, multifaceted glory uh, and embraces emotional intelligence and questions the societal value of vulnerability. Instead of having a private view, we kick things off with a brilliant open invite party with performances, music, drinks, speeches, multi-generational dancing in the gallery, a panel discussion and a theatrical mass ribbon cutting moment. You had to be there. We've recorded the panel discussion so that you can still enjoy it if you weren't there on the night. It was called From the Heart, Making Autobiographical Work and Telling Others' Stories Empathetically and it focuses on how artists create work that's emotionally driven, embracing their personal experiences or sourcing those of others throughout the process. The discussion was chaired by arts journalist Hannah Clugson and it featured four of the exhibiting artists, Selena Laverne Day, Tasha Whittle, Natalie Linney and Hannah Kara. The artists talk about their practice and process, how they created their pieces, but importantly why they created them and what it felt like to do so. The panel discussion lasts just over 30 minutes and it opens up from a chaired question and answer uh, amongst the artists uh, to an audience question and answer session. If you're listening to this now, in April 2020, you'll know that the world is currently experiencing the global coronavirus pandemic, which meant that three days after the exhibition launch party, where this was recorded, the Lowry had to close its doors to the public for the safety of its staff and visitors. So I'm speaking to you from a strange time for artists, audiences, venue and, well, everybody really. Um, But we're really thrilled that once it is safe for the Lowry to reopen, so will everything I know I felt. We're really excited to share this work with more people, whenever that will be, and we think that it will be more relevant than ever. I imagine there's going to be lots of big feelings felt throughout this process, and that we're going to need quite a lot of time to process them, both individually and collectively. So I hope that you enjoy the panel discussion and continue to take care of yourselves. Keep in touch with us. Um, As I said, we're at Girl Gang MCR and all the socials, uh, and let's try and stay as safe, creative, connected and content as we can be. We hope to see you really soon.
1: Hello. Hi. Um, Welcome to the panel discussion. Thanks for coming along. The official title of this panel is From the Heart, Making Autobiographical Work and Telling Stories Empathetically. So, my name's Hannah. Um, I'm an art critic and freelance journalist. And I'm also part of Girl Gang Sheffield. So, thanks for inviting me. (laughs) And I'm just going to talk about myself for half. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so, basically, we're just going to chat about um, the works in the exhibition. Um, so, I'm really pleased to have Selena with me. And also Natalie. And Tasha. And Hannah. Um, and all of these artists have work in the exhibition. Um, so, we're just going to begin by... Yeah, woo, well done. <laughs> Already a clap, yeah. Um, so why didn't we begin by I mean, I know I've said your names, but I wasn't really introducing you, was it? Um, if you just want to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your artistic practice, um, and also if you could tell me about the feelings you're feeling right now.
2: <laughs> oh um, Hello, I'm Selena. Um, I say I'm a textile artist, um, so I do work primarily felt the piece. Which is funny because I think somebody contacted me saying like, everything I know I felt, everything's going to be made of felt. And then I was like, the piece I've made isn't actually made of felt. And I feel like I've definitely missed a trick. I was like, I've used everything but felt. Uh, But yeah, so I do like kind of a lot of textile art. Um, How am I feeling now? Um, All right, actually. Yeah. Fell over yesterday, I've got a sore knee, but everything else is fine. So yeah, it's a good night, it's a good night.
3: (laughs) Hi, I'm Natalie, uh, also a textile artist, probably a little bit more uncomfortable having to talk about my own practice um, in front of everyone. Uh, Yes, I'm a textile artist, I'm in a collective called Salford Makers, and we are based at Islington Miller Studios, not too far from here. Um, My specialism is natural dyes and eco print, so I print a lot with nature, my immediate environment and try to reflect the place by printing with it, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, I've collaborated with Tasha on this, who's been a friend for a very long time, but we've never actually had a chance to work together properly Um, and we did the red tent, so... The big tent made out of um, lots of clothes that are embroidered with words that people have told us how they feel when they wear red. So it's been a really lovely, fun project to do, and we're really grateful to Girl Gang for giving us the opportunity to do it. How are you feeling? Uncomfortable right now. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Choose this one. Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Tasha Whittles. I'm. um, I'm an artist illustrator, also work as uh, I guess a curator and um, creative producer as well. Um, my practice is very broad, it's kind of quite multidisciplinary, but pretty much at the minute I'm doing a lot of drawing and murals, that's one of my passions. Um, with this particular project, we inside, you see the outside, it's just like the red tent, but in the inside uh, we're housing Keisha Thompson's piece. And she's performing this evening. Go and see it. Like, but if you come back again, um, when you're actually within that sort, of, within that space, you'll be able to hear her poems. And then also, all her poems are printed out on the floor, and they're all kind of marked out with black, but that's thermochromatic ink, so you can touch it, and your heat will basically reveal the her poems, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel now my heart is racing and I feel really nervous. I'm going to pass the mic.
5: (laughs) Hello, I'm Hannah. I'm a visual and performance artist. Um, My practice is quite DIY and experimental. um, So I work in a lot of different mediums, including illustration, drawing, and performance art. With the pieces that are in this show at the moment, I really want to focus on the themes of identity, um, dual heritage, and mental health. Uh, which are themes that are representing quite a lot of um, different works uh how i'm feeling at the moment quite elated (laughs)
1: yeah Yeah. that's great yeah um so as we said the name of this panel is from the heart and um as we've noted a lot of the works in the exhibition are um Autobiographical or expressing feelings in some way. I wondered if you could each um, introduce the piece that you have in this exhibition. I know you've mentioned them a little bit already and talk about the experiences that they are drawn from.
2: Um, so, yes, yeah, so my... I don't think I explained properly. Mine is textiles, not felt, but it's the banner. So it's the old reliable banner. Uh, it's got my face on it. I realised <laughs> a lot of my art has my face on it. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of based on the fact that I... As a person, I'm like really reliable. Um, I'll always be turning up to things. I And it's something that I value as a positive trait of mine. So I'm always kind of like, I'll turn up, I'm that friend that's there, I'll do this, I'll do that. But then also is like the thing that makes me kind of wish I didn't have. Especially things like I think on the banner I've got like burnout, um, and then kind of like pride, respect and pushover. So it's that balance of knowing when to say no but more to yourself. I'm always a I'm a yes person. I'm like, Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm doing five hundred things, but it's okay, I'll do that. And the pressure I put on myself by saying thinking that if I don't then people will be disappointed which they won't well I hope well, maybe they will I never know because I don't ever say no um so it's just about like being able to say no and then feel okay with that which I haven't learned yet maybe one day I will but yeah that's basically it I did a banner because I love banners um I've never made yeah the best aren't I've never made a banner. Um, on my own so I've made them collectively in workshops because I'm a workshop facilitator and I love kind of like how banners look how banners are used for like protest how banners are often made by working class folk and people who wouldn't be seen as artists but if you go and look at like any kind of protest banner get your face right in close you can do that with mine like looking at it maybe you don't actually because you're like mm. um, you'll see like the skills and stuff and that that's why I like banners they're used for a purpose because I'm a very practical person but then there's a
3: skill to them as well that makes sense yeah um, for us I think we really enjoy telling people's stories anonymously, so giving people a voice, they give us the information and then we can display it. I think um, Red Tent started from a project we did with MIF a few years ago, where we um, wanted to create a digital space that women could share stories, positive and negative, but have have it anonymous, anonymously, so then they could get things off their chest, basically, or things secrets they didn't want to share, um, and they had somewhere to vent it. Um, so it started from there. And Red Tent was because Red Tents are a place for women to share. They were originally huts there where women got sent for menstruation or childbirth or things that were to do with womanhood. Um, but then they were reinvented in the 60s as kind of a bit more of a hippie movement where women went to tell stories and have a bit more of like a community and they're reimagined all over the world in like many, many different forms so we kind of play with that idea in our work but yeah, for us we really like being able to give people a space to share stuff but without having the attachment of themselves on it so you can be a bit more open. So, yeah. Yeah, because we
4: um, kind of opened, asked uh, women to either submit clothes or submit how they felt wearing red or a story that was connected to it. And it was amazing how many different types of voices that came from us. So a lot of people either felt, you know, classically sexy or hot or bold. Powerful. Powerful. Some people felt like their mum. Yeah. um, (laughs) You know, like terrible, didn't like it. And then the stories that came with it as well, you know, certain people got like accosted wearing red. It's interesting the way how a colour can evoke an emotion when you're wearing it but then also by the way it's perceived through other people as well and I kind of feel like from this project we've I feel like I've opened a can of worms in terms of understanding what red is and then how that can be seen as well and then also thinking about Keisha's piece mm-hmm. um, is based on the philosophical text about Mary who lives and um, kind of works in a monochrome room but she reads everything to know about the colour red so does what she know more know Does what she know more than what we know when we feel? And it's kind of interesting sort of playing between those two lines, Um, but yeah.
5: Um, So my pieces in the show are named A Performance of Violence. Originally they were created in September 2018 at Islington Mill, um, which is also where a few of the people are based um, in the show. Um, with this, we were given the theme of saviours, so looking at um, the sale of Leonardo um, da Vinci's Salvatore Mundo painting, which had recently been sold for like an astronomical amount of money. Um, so with this, I took that theme and looked at the role of British um, soldiers within India. Um, those pieces um, are focused on my like, dual heritage because I'm half Indian and half Russian. Um So within those, I wanted to look at mental health and the ways that we kind of carry trauma within our bodies. So they're quite bold pieces. They um, have imagery that some people might feel quite uncomfortable with. I really want to bring mental health to the forefront of the conversation. Um, and look at different theories, including Julia Christopher's ideas of um, abject bodies. Um, So my background is actually in film criticism. So I take a lot of uh, inspiration from those.
1: Selena and Hannah this is potentially a question for you two Um, I wondered about kind of infusing your art with these autobiographical elements for both of you the things you talked about there are um, traumatic and painful and not necessarily straightforward emotions Um, when you were making the art did you find it a cathartic process or was it painful or was it a bit of of both
2: none of the above I don't know Um, I think in terms of Me acknowledging the fact that I can't say no was something that I've been thinking about in this past year. So I think that. But I think with I always present my art in quite a fun way. I think mainly because I like colour. Do if you got. I am wearing quite a lot of black actually, technically, Um, and because I use things like felt and a lot of the textiles I use are quite fun and vibrant. Um, That, but I think that's me generally, like I'll, my reaction to everything is kind of add a, add a lol over it. It's like, yay, let's just make it funny. So I think it was, I've kind of thought about that previously, but then tried to execute it in like a, a more funnier way. So I could deal with it, if that makes sense. Yeah.
5: With my works, I think it was quite a cathartic process. Um, alongside the pieces that are shown here, I did a performance which is quite a quick performance which is 30 seconds um, where I like covered myself in paint and then I sort of threw my body forward and like slammed my whole body onto the floor. So it's quite like, a, like trying to get those like, repressed feelings up um, and trying to show people that this is the trauma that I carry around with me.
1: Um. And obviously both of these experiences are very specific experiences to you. So, um, But I often find when I look at art that's quite personal is that rather than it being alienating, it's quite engaging. Like when I was looking at your works, there are women that have said very specific things about red, but actually it started me thinking about what I think about red. Um, how do you feel about the audience kind of putting their own um, experiences and emotions onto these things that have come from a very specific place for you or for the people's stories you're telling?
4: I think I think we feelings are quite universal I th- like I've I've done stuff before where um not specifically this but I've made work and people react to it in the same way that I felt because we all feel the same we're human I
3: feel like that's the whole point like making stuff so people then can relate to it and feel like they felt I think if they didn't have that connection with it or feel like that I'd Feel like I hadn't done my job properly. <laughs>
4: it's also validating the feeling that I have, but also someone else has as well. And I think we, maybe we don't get enough validation with how we feel through all different types of life.
5: Uh, I'm fine with people putting their own um, interpretations onto my work. <laughs> <laughs> so you said it so well. <laughs>
2: on my I think just like what Tasha said like I often make things for other people to then look at something and go oh I felt like that like I said validate and they go oh it validates it for me and for them so you're like oh I feel similarly so I think I often whether that's text or like zines or whatever I make them so someone else can go oh I'm not alone I don't, I'm don't. i not the only person that feels like that sort of thing um, and for the two of you specifically obviously you're drawing people's stories together um
1: I kind of wondered if you had any specific techniques about um, creating a space where people feel um, safe and open to kind of share their stories and what the process was really of um, curating those um, experiences about RED, like how you did it and how you can create an area where people feel totally able to just kind of
4: say what they feel. For this specific um, commission, we just did a Survey Monkey form and it's anonymous. So you create a space where people can feel freely to type whatever they wanted to type. And I think that's the space in itself, you know, there's no kind of writing your name, your age, where you're from or anything from that. So you're opening sort of a space for free
3: speech, but. Yeah, definitely. I think it was really surprising how much we got back. Like I had emails to my personal account when I put it around Islington Mill and like just put the question out to people really in depth. Like pages long email it was so I couldn't believe it I was like wow um about yeah people buying specific items that made them feel this way or yeah stories of what happened to them when they wear red I think what's really interesting what just happened tonight which I didn't take into consideration is when we went to Keisha's performance there was um two men in the tent and Keisha was asking how how red did you guys pick up on this and they were both just saying like strong powerful success communism like and I was like god they're so different to what I think of red and it was really interesting to just be in this space and have these two guys like shouting out all this stuff and all these women we weren't really even saying anything were we and I was like this is my piece why am I not saying anything <laughs> but it, it was really strange to be in there and yeah have that happen so yeah maybe we could put it out to men as well next time and see so. <laughs> and see what happened. But yeah, I think for me, when I'm speaking to people, I think sharing, I always overshare. So oversharing generally helps other people share as well. And I think that happens quite a lot (laughs) with me. So if I tell someone a lot, they'll tell me quite a lot as well. But yeah, just having something like this where people can just write to you and then, yeah, you can collect information that way.
1: And in terms of... um kind of curating the stories that you you then have how do you kind of handle them sensitively so that you can have a creative direction as artists but you're not sort of imposing too much on what people have said I don't know whether you edit them or those kind of things or what considerations you have Um, for the you know we just took
4: the adjective the description of how they felt and embroidered that onto uh, the clothing like all the stories um, and everything that we'll do will collate into a publication that will happen after the exhibition um but yeah it's it's i I guess it's just a way of kind of like highlighting the words yeah it was just that it was that it was that it was a lot of powerful which is amazing which i quite liked yeah that's great
1: um selena for you as well i know that um you said you like to make space for voices that might otherwise go unheard um can you expand on that a little bit um what sort of voices are you looking for and Um, I assume, I mean, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but do you think art can play an important role in amplifying unheard voices?
2: Yes. Um, (laughs) So um, I kind of like, it sounds like I'm just trying to create a space for me, which I am, but then I think (laughs) I am. But then it's like, if I've taken up that space and I want to let everybody else take that space, it's generally kind of like women... Uh, brown women although you've got like a full mixed race panel here we've just know, been informed we so I was like ah, that's <laughs> never happened to me before I'm really into it um, and <laughs> queer women and definitely working class people um what they say like fiercely working class and I think the arts is something that isn't aimed or even even touches and tries to create a space for working class people so that is kind of like I often make work that kind of People who are, would I identify as any of those labels, could see it. So then if they go and see it, they were be like, oh, this person's done it, so I can do it as well. So it's more like just generally by existing in that space, I'm hoping that other people will then know that they can too exist there as well. Yeah. Um, and Hannah, I know that your um, piece is kind of about your
1: family, um, and um, it obviously comes from a very personal. F- Place, but I wondered if um, did you have a particular research process when you were kind of creating the works? Did you look back into your um, family history, or were you kind of drawing from your own personal experiences, or a bit of both?
5: Yeah, with pieces, um, there's a lot of mental health uh, problems within my family, so that's what I kind of reflected upon. I couldn't really find out too much about the heritage of like my grandparents because I'm quite cut off from that part of my life. It's quite unfortunate and um, so yeah I just kind of like looked at the fact that there's so many mental health issues on this both with my mother and my father um, and reflected those within my work.
1: Right. Um... I just want to touch briefly on the fact that um, there's a, a large history of uh, female artists that have been creating work historically about their own experiences so Tracy Emin, Vivian Saucen, Judy Chicago, um, uh, incredible artists making work about themselves. In an art world that is dominated by men do you think there is something rebellious about women bringing their experiences into the centre of their art?
2: Why are you all looking at me? Um... Well, I guess in, like, a society way, it's rebellious, but then it's just life, isn't it? So is it it rebellious just to put yourself out there? Not really, I don't think. But it's still seen as, like, oh, kind of, you know, I guess.
4: Oh, it's like, if... if a lot of them, like, ah! a lot of the kind of perceptions of art is through, like, a male gaze. So, you know, we look at women uh, or have seen women through art history as um, either something to be adored or looked at or to kind of, like, desire. And I think by placing a woman her, herself and her stories in front, it, it's like, does that change that kind of element that goes with it? But also... I I don't think men are as good as feelings as women are, but also this type of work, it's kind of visceral. Um, it's touching on a point before, it's like, like, I can only create work like visually because that's sort of the only way that I can say how I'm feeling and say what I want to say. I couldn't say it to somebody's face. I could maybe write in a letter, but there's something about creating work visually that is what it is for me. And also that kind of thing that maybe other genders don't necessarily
3: have does that make any sense i don't know right now don't think it feels rebellious at all i think if it felt rebellious then i'd feel suppressed as a person like i don't i don't think that question ever even entered my head when i make work i just make work because i'm a human and that's what i'm reflecting upon do you know what i mean i don't think i i don't think i've even thought of that which is good that's a positive thing that i haven't thought of that so (laughs) um so also on the flip side of that
1: um I feel like women are often kind of unnecessarily crowbarred into autobiographical genres, even when they didn't mean to be. So um, I was reading an interview this week with um, Emerald Fennell, who um, is, used to be, like, the lead writer on Killing Eve, and she said she went to pitch, like, a sci-fi comedy, and the, the, di- the people she was pitching to were like, oh, no, actually, we'd just like to hear about, like, what you've, y- your experiences as a woman. She was like, oh, OK, then. Um, and I wondered about this kind of, like you know, on the other side, like this boxing in of women having to talk about their experiences. And I wondered, like, why you think... Do you have any ideas about why that might be? Is it because we are in a society where um, potentially it's like, well, women can just talk about being women and and we don't have authority to talk about other things? I wondered if you had any thoughts about that.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, basically, if you're like a straight white man, you can write or make about anything... But then if you're like a woman or a black creator, you're like, oh, but is it not about black people? It's like, it's a working class writer. Oh, you're not going to write this gritty drama. It's like, well, no, I wanna write. no, no, no. It's got to be about grit, about destitution. It's that, yeah, you're like, if you're like an other, then you can only write about or create about yourself. Whereas there's only like one type of person that can, I think, can, is allowed to, you know, want to write their sci-fi it's kind of right. Like, it doesn't have to relate to them, and I don't know why that is. Well, I do? It's just the way the world is. <laughs> I feel like so often the work that you do see is is coming from that point
3: because that's the only work that kind of gets the opportunity to be seen. I, f- I feel like the reason that so for me, I don't want to write sci-fi or do anything like I do want to write about stuff that is to do womanhood, and, stuff. and for me, it's to level it's for so people that understand. So like being mixed race, being working class, being a woman. I feel like people haven't got a full understanding of all that yet so for me it's important to voice that so when you're given a platform that's why I think it is voiced because it's not equal yet so I think people still feel so passionately about all those issues that when we are given a platform that's what we go for not you know like we haven't got the level yet where we can be like oh I now want to do a costume drama which I would love you know like I've not got to there yet where I can do something like that so it's like you have to voice the stuff that people take notice of or will make people understand a bit more that's how I feel yeah what she said
4: (laughs) but it's but it's true because it's like now I think everyone's becoming a lot more conscious with um other people identities culture races ethnicities everything and how valid and enriching that is to know someone else's story and history and how people feel and see the world It gives a bigger picture to the already really big picture that's there
5: Yeah, um, so I definitely feel like you get boxed in as a dual heritage person. People have a lot of expectations of you and how you should be or the things that you enjoy or things that you like doing, cooking. (laughs) Like, are you really good at, like, doing Bollywood dancing? I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, no, actually, I just like dancing to disco music in my living room, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, so many expectations, especially the ones that come from my own family, like, about what I should be doing and who I should be dating or not dating, and getting married to. It's a lot of pressure, and I think that's really what I'm trying to communicate in the work. Is like it's okay to talk about mental health. It's okay to talk about mental health in um, in dual heritage communities, and it's okay if you if you don't feel like you're part of that community either. Um, for me, I don't really feel British. And I don't really feel dual heritage. I'm like somewhere in the middle, and it's like identity that I've made for myself.
1: Um, so I'd also briefly like to kind of touch on collaboration for a moment because obviously you're collaborating and this is a Girl Gang event. Um, so, uh, and Selena you referenced skills sharing as well in your um, bio. Um, so I wondered about if you could kind of talk a little bit about actually the benefit of drawing together different stories and working alongside each other. And even though things are autobiographical, um, kind of putting those stories together and the power that that
4: can have. Oh, this is um, what I I can say what I draw drew from this um, is really enjoying working with Natalie in the sense where we're quite similar but also really different and it's sort of finding somebody that gets you but then also like can um, kind of challenge you and I think that's what a great thing about collaboration especially within an artistic sort of space you know you've got two different minds thinking in about different ways and the approach and how that kind of works. I think there's like, a lot of flexibility and also adaption, which what I really like about working with people. Like, I love collaborating. I think seeing and working with somebody else's vision and how they see the world is like fantastic. Um, and in terms of kind of working with other people, it's just when we started to get the emails through with people writing questionnaires. I got excited because people wanted to like be involved in this project, and that for me was has buzzed in because it's like that thing like oh god, people actually like this idea, and people want to be involved within it, and that gives me a lot of inspiration and fire to kind of like make the piece as best as it can. Yeah. Okay. What
2: you, whatever <laughs> I said.
4: Um,
1: that's all of my questions. Okay. Um, does anyone have any questions in the audience? Or I'll just
6: shout. So I love the idea of anonymity um, because once you know a person's gender, you automatically, naturally start making general assumptions about where they're coming from and their perspective. And I was sat here thinking about Banksy and what point did we know he was a man? And when we knew he was a man, was he ever a woman when we were looking at his work that he was doing? So I just found it really interesting that when you write anonymously, I think there's a liberation in doing that. But once we find a gender, we can't help but start putting layers upon that. So it, like I say, it was an observation about you were talking about anonymously with your red tent. and the guys who are in there talking about red. Because you don't see a lot of guys in red, ever. They don't really wear red. So maybe they wear red when it's voting for Labour or communism or then it's a power thing, like... Or football or, you know, Do you, do you Wait. wear, like... Red underpants under your grey suit and I'm making assumptions there, do you know what I mean? Or if you wear a red tie, it's like, oh, you're wearing a red tie. Nice one, Jed. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like, oh, like, oh, no, Jed, no, no, no. We're in with, like, no, the CEO, like, it should be blue, like, or grey, like, it's red. What the fuck are you doing? You're going to cock it off. And I make assumptions right there and then, but guys don't really wear a lot of red, so maybe more red suits in the boardroom from
4: guys? (laughs) One of the the stories that we had um, given in was um, a lady who, uh, she was going down to London, She's going to some galleries, going to see some friends, and she wore a particular dress based on the temperature that was going around. So it was the perfect dress to wear out... um, to be cool but also look kind of classy and so a little nice the colour was red as soon as she got to London she went in between her galleries and seeing his friends there was a, a van driver who followed her parked his car got out gave her his number that's the first one then she was waiting for a bus and she was there and this guy wouldn't leave her alone and then there was another incident as well another, another guy um, interacting with her like unwanted kind of connection or communication um and she ended her kind of story with like it's kind of like was it really worth the bother wearing this dress that I like and I feel comfortable and they suited for this particular weather but then also the color of her hair because she was blonde you know would that have been a different if she was brunette and I think that's really uh, it's just for me I find it fascinating yeah, but I think, I think for her, it was, like, gauging unwanted attention where, from men in, the, in a way that of an agenda of, like, I want to take you out, rather than that, like, you look great kind of thing. It's Like, oh, hi, I'm wearing this colour and therefore I'm available.
2: It's the weird thing that red is, like, the sign of danger. Yeah. So unlike traffic signs or any kind of signage, red is known as... But then as soon as you put it on a woman's body it's Go. it's the opposite Go. of stay away um,
4: no isn't it yeah but also in cultures so in uh, chinese culture um red is the a lucky color so a lot of the time they wear it uh, chinese new year is so it like indian culture the brides wear red as well and it's so interesting how this color has lots of connotations throughout all cultures mm. and but also the main ones of our association that are with it as well um i think you you had a question I felt like it was a little bit of a build off yours so you talked about how um, like like publishing anonymously essentially and I wondered about because we are so lucky to have such a diverse panel um, I wondered and you talked about how when you are a woman or from a minority or working class or any sort of box that they want like they want to put you in whether there is a certain guilt which comes with publishing anonymously or creating anonymously that you haven't taken advantage so is so is it more teetered towards the freedom of like, oh, I can be whatever I want to be or the guilt that, oh, I'm not taking advantage of the fact that I've got this space and this platform.
3: So our work isn't anonymous. It's just the stories that are gathered. So all the stories that are gathered from people, they're anonymous, but the work that we publish is not anonymous. It's like from us. So it's, yeah, that's...
2: (laughs) Does that answer it? And I guess when you put your call out out, you were transparent in saying, this is what it's going to be... Because I saw it it was like, this is what it's going to be used in it will be used in a public space, but you, you won't be attached to whatever specific story you tell. So you were kind of transparent in saying, it's anonymous to a sense. So then you can be like, I've always wanted to say this, but I've never wanted to say it in public. That was yeah. exactly
3: what it is. When we first started to, when we first thought about it for MIF, years ago, it was literally a digital platform, and it was when all the Me Too and everything was coming out, and we wanted a space, especially for us, we felt it really important to tell younger girls like what was acceptable and what wasn't and we wanted to create this digital conversation, basically, where people could put like things that had happened, negative and positive, and they could have maybe, you could read other people's stories that were like, like certain things like, that happened to me when I was younger, but now I'm an older woman, I know that was not okay. Do you know what I mean? And I think lots of, it's majority of women, unfortunately, that have those situations. So that's where it started from. It was the like anonymity too many beers now (laughs) to be able to put things up and then not be judged and not have any culture or age or anything attached to it but be able to also get it off your chest and then read other people's advice that's where it started from
2: so i saw the call out for contributions on social media so do you think you could have created this work without social media or do you think it is very much something that would be a sign of Definitely, if we had more
3: time, we, this was like a quick turnaround, so we had to do everything. Like, if we, ideally, when we were doing Red Tent, I would love to have had a year and have every person bring me an item of clothing, tell me their story, have a photograph in it or not, you know, even just their body, so not their face, and have it all documented like that, and have them even embroider their story on. So it would have been very like that, but just within the time frame, we had to just put it out as quickly as possible. So we just circulate like as much as we could to sell that. One. Do you feel like social media's had an effect on your art though? Like
4: I, it's definitely it, no, definitely. But I think the whole point of that project was to do the reach out and just to see what's going there. Like you know, we've asked friends and people that we'd see on like a daily basis to kind of get involved as well. But you know, the fact that there's such a great network, it just seemed amazing like a, the best idea to kind of go forward with that but yeah absolutely like interaction is we need that because no one comes to the tent and no one's going to see it and no one's going <laughs> to experience it and I think that's really important
1: okay great thanks thanks everybody thank you so much wonderful artists